इलाज दुनिया में और कोई तो गाओ शांति 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 would be awesome yeah like, no. we could actually log off i mean it wouldn't be awesome i think people would not be too happy with it but like if they, we could just drop the episode and just fucking get the fuck out Got of there forever. free from the prison <laughs> of online you know jt you shouldn't joke about prison there's a lot of people locked up <laughs> i've been listening to this album donda and i've been learning about prison and how it's actually kind of a prison you know yeah, and you've stirred the wire too recently. You're really doing. You're putting in the work. Yeah, I'm learning that. You know, I I, I can't even b- do a bit about this. <laughs> I, I, I I any route I go down is pretty bad there. So I'm just gonna <laughs> well, I've always short. I've always kind of thought the opposite, where um, kind of real life is the prison. That's and true. prison. It's like you got three square meals a day. You don't got to do shit. You know, it's not bad. I I definitely had that thought as like a youngster a bit. Like when I, even as like a 12 year old, I was just like, I cannot see myself getting a job when I'm older. What if I just go to prison? Like they'll account for everything. And then I watched some pretty gnarly movies that kind of took that out of the equation. Did a little reading. I don't know. But then I guess if you do more reading, once you get to the philosophical (laughs) side of things, you learn that society itself is the prison. True. And if hey, if you like reading, you could do a lot of that in prison. I mean, hey, we just watched we just watched the card counter, and I have to say, when he talks about going to prison the first time, I I hate how much I saw in myself in Oscar Isaac's character when he was just like (laughs) talking about like I never thought I could be confined, and then I realized that you know my my life had so much more order to it in prison, and I started reading, and I was like. Seems like a pretty good deal. I, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, when his backstory is exposed, I had to kind of pull back on the the character, or, or maybe, the projection. Maybe. Well, I don't know, Malcolm, if you had a similar backstory <laughs> to Oscar Isaac at that. No, I just maybe it's like you're like you see that right. You're like okay, you know, Oscar Isaac talking about you know maybe I could adjust to prison life. You're like you know what maybe I could, and then you you realize you know he was doing some some dirty things you know before yeah. In a different kind of prison. In a different different kind of prison. And like maybe that's, you know, the second half of that's like, well, maybe I could do that too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's kind of the double end of that. You know what I mean? Being There's a lot of nostalgia <laughs> for the early 2000s right now. You know, 9-11's anniversary is on our heel and uh, on our heels, that is. And, you know, if there's going to be an Abu Ghraib 2.0. I guess Malcolm's the guy to get for uh, uh, be a security hey, guard. Yeah. Hey, better than being the guys on the other end of it, right? <laughs> All right. I don't know from, where we're going on this major one. Major Malcolm to prison <laughs> guard Malcolm. Malcolm. I guess that you is kind of Willem Dafoe's arc in the card counter. Like, if, if you track back the narrative, not yeah. like what happens in the movie, is he does kind of go from military Malcolm to being a private contractor Malcolm. That's that's where the money's <laughs> at, man. It's a it's it's a rat race, man. Stop being a no need to be a general. You, know? <laughs> you can just do this shit on the computer you know what i mean um today on our bonus episode our after hours feed we are talking about a film that really has nothing to do with the film we were just discussing you might hear a little bit about that in a few days on the main feed and malcolm in the middle but um today we're going to be talking about om shanti om this is just like a 
kind of a towering classic of contemporary Indian cinema that has always kind of intimidated me because the the more I read about it, it's like, oh, this is like the ultimate, you know, homage, you know, pastiche kind of film uh, on all this history of Indian cinema. And uh, but at the same time, it's also just a very entertaining uh, classic, you know, romantic comedy with a ton of musical sequences starring Shah Rukh Khan, directed by Farrah Khan, who we've talked about for, you know, Happy New Year and Main Hoon Na. And it's like, oh, even if you don't get, I, I guess that was my main takeaway from this is even if you aren't completely invested in the history of this milieu, even if the the reference points don't mean anything to you, this is just an incredibly moving film uh, grounded by, you know, one of Shah Rukh Khan's great turns. Um, yeah, I, I loved this movie. What about you guys? Yeah, I was really excited to bring this to the pod. I knew, like, since we're closing things out now, I wanted to get this SRK classic. Like, it's, uh, I don't know, this is probably, like, the height of his appeal for me. I think both in terms of, like, his popularity, like, as an actor, it's just, like, this is prime time for him. And I share, I shared your initial like trepidations going into it when I first watched it, because I was like, Oh, it's like a contemporary, like Bollywood classic and not being as familiar with the history. It's something where it's like, I, I, it's like, Oh, am I going to be able to appreciate this as much? And I just, it's something I come back to a lot. And each time I've seen, a little bit more Indian cinema. I can get a little bit uh, of a, a new reference or whatnot, and it uh, keeps on giving. Sorry, I don't feel like I should have really came in and killed it there, but um, <laughs> a slight pause. But uh, you know, in addition to talking about how much it's like about history of Indian cinema, and there's like references and whatnot, and as much as I, you know, might not get some of them. I get that it's referencing something, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like, I'm getting, I guess, maybe the half pleasure than compared to someone who might know it fully, but there's still something enjoyable about that, especially what with this movie, right? Where it's like, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, basically about pouring your life and your fantasy into movies or, you yeah, know what I exactly. mean? Kind of, uh, you know, putting, taking all your chips and you're like, you know what? Movies. That's what I'm betting on. And, uh, it's a it's a it's very moving in that way, and I love kind of the narrative structure. You know that I'll summarize in a sense, like you know, uh, Ohm, uh, you know SRK is you know he's a he's a what you call a junior actor or whatever. You know someone who's doing a lot of background stuff. You know n- nothing glamorous, no no leading roles, no a lot of lines, and he's obviously someone who's obsessed with the medium and obsessed with the stars, you know, within it. Shanti, you know, who he keeps kind of running into in the first half, you know, a potential love interest until he realizes that she's, you know, betrothed to another man and whatnot. And there's complications there. And, uh, but like kind of SRK is just kind of a, a movie fan, like someone who's obsessed with actresses, (laughs) you know what I mean? And thinks about actresses a lot. And like, you know, I love that thing where, he uh, like he, you know, uh, goes to a billboard every day of Shanti, you know, and just uh, professes, you know, his love for. And also it's like, I'm going to make it because of you, you know, don't worry, like using that as motivation. And it's uh, and then eventually through, uh, you know, mystical circumstances, I guess. I don't know exactly. But he becomes the star that, uh, you know, he always wanted to be. And things are completely different. And I think that like kind of uh, inversing of the narratives I thought was 
It's very like it, it was just, it was strangely moving to me in mm-hmm. a way, but also just I think a very good way to tell this story about movies. Yeah, I mean we we've seen the dual role Shah Rukh Khan performance on this podcast, uh, and, and he's had more than these two, obviously. Uh, I think Fan is one of those yeah, as well. Yeah, Fan is one. Uh, I definitely want to watch that one. But we talked about Robin Nabhan and Dejodi uh, a while back, and that one, technically, it, he's playing the same character the whole time, but it's a character playing another character. And then in this one, despite it being a dual role, seemingly at first, through the process of reincarnation, we realize mm, that yeah. it is the same character both times. He plays... Om Prakash Makija. And so at first his buddy, uh, uh, Papu, is just like, yeah, you got to change your name. You're not going <laughs> to do anything with this. And I, I love how when it starts off, it's just like this kind of backstage comedy, almost like Jerry Lewis's uh, The Errand Boy, yeah. where it's just a guy who is really dedicated to where he's working, but he's also just like goofing off, messing up, uh, getting in the way of the people who are in charge, who seem much more like business orientated rather than like giving themselves over to the magic of movies, to put it lightly. Um, like there's a great scene where uh, um, he, he he's in this costume drama and he's dressed kind of like a pirate with this crazy mustache on. And uh, the... <laughs> his one line is to say run and it's while something's on fire and everyone's just running around like crazy. And it's just a succession of quick cuts or jump cuts rather of him jumping in front of the camera and just staring down the barrel saying run. And it's so fucking funny. And I, I really love that. It's uh, it, it's set 30 years in the past. So it's in the mid seventies at this uh, RC studios. And also the, there's the combining of past and present, which I think is really interesting. You know, you, you see next to the billboard that Shanti is on where he goes to talk to her every day, you see a uh, billboard for Sholay, which I guess had come out the year before in this timeline. It says Sholay still playing because <laughs> it's one of the you know biggest hits of all time in India. It's going to hold over for that long. And uh, we see Amitabh Bakchan in this film and we see his son Abhishek Bakchan and there's even a bit about it where you know oh oh you're that guy well my dad's Amitabh Bakchan and it's like well you know that's the joke Uh, (laughs) and it's like little references like that are only a part of it I feel like Mm -hmm. the the larger scale reference is what's so much more overwhelming it's like this combination or not even combination really this like colliding of 30 years of film history kind of uh, speaks so much more than all the little, oh, did you get that reference? Oh, did you get that reference? They all like combine to such a great cumulative effect. And I think like what it's speaking at in terms of like voyeurism and spectatorship, like just transcend like national boundaries in regards to cinema, because I mean, I love the turn that happens in his character when he's he becomes okay, Om Kapoor, and just like you, I love seeing him go from like nerd to completely swagged out in this. But it's that transition is just so effective because you see right from the beginning, like uh, SRK is like staring and like they're watching that scene being filmed, and just like he's envisioning yeah. himself as the star. And so much of this is like either him like experiencing like past memories when he finds out about like Shanti. It's sort of like through the vents there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't know. There's a lot there with like identification in cinema and just, uh, I don't know, powerful, fun stuff. No, I feel like more than any other movie, 
it's like this movie is about having movie brain almost in a way. Yeah. Like in a way to where it's like maybe even just beyond fandom, like fandom and you want to make them too. And like uh, Eddie just captured a fly. Had a little ego go. moment. And, uh, and he, he just gave a, a very sports-like celebration. Deserved it, of course. Uh, but, you know, that was a good job there. I love, yeah, like, you know, what you're talking about in the beginning where we see him kind of envision himself. He sees the star on stage. He envisions, envisions himself as that star. You know, and that's kind of the fantasy that keeps him going. You know what I mean? I want to go from the audience to the stage. And then, you know, the second half is he's kind of the star. And, of course, he wants to recollect the past. You know what I mean? It's not it, it, it is interesting how, it, you know, once he's in both of these positions, he's kind of aiming for something more kind of like having to do whether it's like a fantasy of becoming, you know, a well-known star or, you know, kind of like the the visions of the past or whatever kind of haunting you and not really being able to let go of this. And it's all done through, uh, you know, this is all processed through movies. How is he going to deal with this emotion of kind of like a, you know, a lost love, a love who was killed, possibly taken away from him. He's going to recreate it, you know, within, you know, a movie like set and try to save the day that way, because that's what he knows how to do. And this, this is all kind of a, I feel like given with like a, a grain of salt, you know what I mean? As, as, as much as, a, you know, this, this movie loves, you know, the art of movies, it has a little skepticism towards the industry, of yeah. course. And I feel like, not to, not to micro-analyze, I guess, too hard the very beginning since we've already talked about it, but I think it's very telling that, you know, when you open at that studio, what you hear over the opening is classic, you know, sound rolling, camera, action, and then we see this, uh, this scene play out, which is a musical performance scene where Shah Rukh Khan and his buddy are in the crowd and, you know... Uh, Ohm is, you know, projecting himself onto the performance, and we see that. But the first line of the song is, have you ever loved someone? So it's like you get essentially lights, camera, action, have you ever loved somebody? And that's just like all that really you have. You have the yeah. image, you have your projection onto the image, and you have the overwhelming... Um, complications i guess and just the complicated nature of not just romance itself and love but romance and love on screen and how they fit into these story structures that we kind of force them into versus how they operate in reality for people and uh yeah i feel like this film is so good at kind of playing into those those movie romance tropes only to slightly pull the rug out for you and get a little true human pain in there once in a while. Yeah. Cause it's like the relationship that Sorry, did I say pull the ropes out for I pulled I the rug. Said rug. Okay, cool. You got ropes on the mind. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, I'm just, I just love actresses. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta, oh, you gotta pay tribute. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's telling his relationship with Shanti like is not conventional and like mm-hmm. you, you see like a so a story of like a young actor falling in love with like a big actress you think it's gonna like work out and obviously there are like some seeds of like an attraction there but like he she's already married um and it just doesn't uh I, I don't know it's I feel like you don't see as often that tale of like just sort of missed like a missed connection love and the reason why she's caught up 
in that situation anyways and why her husband uh is like refusing to like um acknowledge their marriage in real life is because they she wouldn't be a marketable actress if they knew she was pregnant or married which is crazy but i hey maybe it's not crazy maybe that's just how it works but it, it just seems like such you know a culture shock i guess to see uh something like that but also uh, speaking of cultural differences that kind of cross over into similarities is you see a couple red carpet uh, events in this film. One is uh, right after the first uh, couple of scenes, we see the premiere of a movie. And I feel like it kind of, it's good exposition for the star-driven system that is Bollywood. And it almost reminds me of a classic Hollywood premiere, the way that those were shown in classic Hollywood movies. You know, you think of like, a star is born or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And the way those red carpet rollouts how happened and you always get the character who's announcing to the crowd, but also talking directly to the audience saying, here comes this couple, here comes that couple, etc." And uh, yeah, I, I just feel like it really helps establish how much of a movie star driven culture it is. Even if, you know, maybe American cinema stopped being as much of a movie star driven culture uh, after the decline of classic Hollywood. Yeah, and I, I love that scene too because it, it displays kind of one of this movie's kind of great strengths. Like a, I don't know, like it, like I feel like because a lot there's a lot of scenes where you kind of uh, um, fade back and forth between like reality and kind of like irreality in a sense, and like that given through you know like the movie you know being on a movie set. It's never like playing with you. It's like oh, is this actually you know a scene from a fake movie or not? But it's like with the red carpet scene kind of like the the fantasy of him like uh his hand getting caught to like her oh yeah her clothes or whatever and he's walking behind her and it just seems like you know kind of like a such a dreamy moment and then it's you know right back to reality again another moment like that you know maybe even more effective in my eyes you know both great scenes but like we were talking about earlier with like the the pirate scene where he's kind of like a pirate in the background and you have and this you know this is also just a good critique of just a industry practice i guess but like you you know you have like this dangerous you know fire scene or whatever where everyone's everything you know everything's on fire and then you know i think uh, let me tell me if i got this wrong i might i might have gotten this wrong but doesn't he like think about saving it or being the lead of that and then he actually does or maybe maybe um i mean the- i think he just i think he just does it he just yeah, does it. he talks about it beforehand though yeah. like not in the midst of that scene true. but he kind of talks up like what he's going to do essentially without knowing that the fire is going to get out of control yeah, and he talks about wanting to be the hero yeah, yeah exactly that's what i meant it's like a stab and then like even if he doesn't explicitly it's established he wants to be a lead in a movie a hero or whatever mm-hmm. and we get his chance to you know kind of do that in real life and then kind of after the, you know, the fantasy of everything, it's not like everyone on set was like, wow, that was great. Do you want to be the lead in the movie? It's kind of, you know, uh, Shanti, of course, appreciates it because her life is saved. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is just like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And because and, uh, there's a lot of, you know, movies about movies and they kind of do that thing where it's like, like, oh, is this like a movie scene or whatever? But I feel like that's a much more kind of like sophisticated version of that. Mm-hmm. Like a movie scene becomes real in a yeah. second. And the reason it's like it becoming real makes it not matter to everyone on like on set in a way that you know afterwards it's kind well of the the mix of the fantastical being presented as reality and just like showing these fantastical things being shot in this movie kind of reminded me of singing in the rain mm-hmm. uh where it's just like singing in the rain classic and more like throughout this movie i, I mentioned the errand boy earlier and 
if I were to make an American cinema connection, yeah, I do feel like it's like the backstage musicals of classic Hollywood where mm. there's going to be some light critique. Most of the critique of the system is going to be the what the viewer brings to the table. Uh, but there, it, it, it is there, but it's just like such an open-ended thing for interpretation like in Singing in the Rain where you have... Um, I mean, similar to this, after uh, Ohm saves her from the fire and they, they have this like blossoming friendship slash relationship slash courtship kind of thing, despite her being married. You know, he says, you know, you're a good friend or whatever. Um, he, they, they go on this little uh, nighttime tryst to a movie set and kind of just wander around that and sing to each other. And you have that great scene of them driving. Uh, not really. It's like his buddy sets up the rear projection for them to hop in the car. And just the exposing of the rear projection there is one of my favorite like movie bits in this movie because it looks beautiful still. Like You see it get set up, then you see the camera get placed, and it's a total mismatch footage. I think it might be black and white footage, if not just totally color faded. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just such a romantic gesture, you know? But it's like Singing in the Rain, where they walk into a back lot, and they're just having a conversation, and then start breaking out into the most fantastical thing, uh, even more fantastical than what's in the movies that these people are involved in, you know? And I feel like, you know, the, there's the positive ways to read it that, you know, life is even more romantic and <laughs> sweeping than movies or that these people only know movies. That's the only yeah. reality that yeah. they know, you know. No, I mean, it's I, I said it before. I'll say it again. Like, it's just like this movie is very movie brain because it feels like everything, every emotion, everything that's done is like filtered through like movies and like whether it's like how they're made or like. Um, you know, let's get to Shanti's death or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, uh, like it's the way that, you know, her, her secret, uh, producer husband, right. Who has aspirations of, uh, you know, owning a studio and possibly is talking about, you know, marrying the daughter of a studio owner, basically saying like, he's going to cancel this film because mm -hmm. she, she's refusing to do it. Right. Or, well, cause she yeah. wants to either reveal the marriage yeah. and the pregnant, cause you know, she revealed to him that she's pregnant. He didn't know until, uh, you know, the scene before that. Mm -hmm. And it, at first he plays it off and you know, that this is what Ohm sees looking to the vents. Yeah. Uh, he plays it off like, Oh, well, you know what? Now that you're pregnant. Okay. Like it's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but then he invites her to the big uh, set, you know, the biggest set in the biggest film in Bollywood history, yes. you know, <laughs> and he just burns it all down like uh, yeah. <laughs> Dennis Hopper and TCM to burn it all down. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And that and like that kind of like, you know, kind of the back and forth of this movie, kind of like the fantasticness of this set, you know, the grandness. And kind of, you know, even though it's kind of a sour moment for, you know, the Ohm character, you know, realizing it's like, oh, shit, it's really like even before the fire and the death, yeah. you know, it's still, <laughs> still, still not going great for him. It's like, oh, shit, the woman I love is married and pregnant or whatever. I also yeah. like during the courtship, you have a full arc of other romantic comedy movies where he pretends to be like more of a star. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. uh, then gets exposed and, you know, and then has to apologize and is very quickly forgiven within like 15 minutes. And <laughs> I love how this movie just has all of that rom-com shorthand down to such a fucking concise way that you could just throw those little arcs into the movie for 15, 20 minute periods. No. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, kind of like the, the dramaticness of like the fire or whatever and him, you know, him trying to be the hero, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a, 
even though we did it on set or whatever, when things are kind of controlled, it's kind of you have a, the same scenario again. But, you know, unfortunately, he fails and dies. And uh, I, I like I guess it's just kind of like the synthesis of everything like movies and life is just so like kind of like just mind boggling to me. It kind of yeah. Just yeah. really is kind of like disorientating isn't the right word, but it just it's it's kind of just a different headspace to be in. I mean, it's just like operating on like such a melodramatic and like intense scale, like the slow-mo that happens when mm. Ohm is like outside uh, the like fire happening there is just insane as he's just like getting the shit kicked out of him. And I love that all of these, like you get so many like neat, like big, like movie style gestures in the first half and then you get like them replayed or like respun or like told like you you get a little tweak to it in the Mm -hmm. second half and it just Mm -hmm. makes those gestures like all the more significant and like creates like new meaning um yeah i don't know it's just impressive on that level that it's like the first half is like a completely effective movie in its own right but then just uh merges with so much more in the second and the that scene where he dies you know and they take him to the hospital and he even has that huge gash across where his heart would be just to throw a little more icing on the cake you know uh the the guy who brings him to the studio of course has a child then and it's just i don't know when when that child is born intercut with ohm dying i knew exactly where the movie was i mean it doesn't take a genius to figure that out i guess you could just read the the log line for it but uh, <laughs> uh i i became so emotional in that moment because i was like oh my god i understand exactly what not just the structural conceit of this movie is but like what it means thematically kind of and in that moment i realized oh my god i gotta stop caring so much about movies like <laughs> no. i don't want to if this affects you that greatly that means you probably watch too many movies but that makes it so beautiful you yeah. know is that like we understand the linkage of this narrative you might say that this narrative is completely outlandish and ridiculous and you know when ohm tries to pitch it uh, or sorry when okay the reincarnated movie star 30 years later version of Shah Rukh Khan's character pitches this story to be rebooted uh, to Mukesh 30, 30 years later after he had been to Hollywood and back. He's like, no one would believe that reincarnation in this day and age, you know? But it's just like, it's one of those things that just fits so perfectly into a film narrative that the intercutting of that life and death, you just know exactly what's going to happen for the next hour. So not exactly, but you know, the general shape of what's to come for the next hour plus, And it's just, it's such a beautiful sequence. It's just so like, like it's a big conceit for the movie, but it's just so beautiful and amazing and allows like that romantic sensibility that they develop in the first half to really come into its own. Like I think one scene that when they play it again the second time like really gets me is when uh, uh, OK is is like sort of realizing his uh, past life for the first time uh, when he's doing the award speech. Yeah. And they play like he's just saying all the things he he did when his when his friend and him were drunk and he got a bottle award. 
that, that's <laughs> incredible. Like I, I love that first scene because it really also keeps playing into you know uh, the the projection of people, not just pe- movie fans, but even lower tier actors who just project themselves onto these great superstar moments. The way he just has this kind of drunken awards acceptance speech, and then of course it mirroring later. And that awards ceremony is just such a fucking great set piece. Like yeah. I. There's no way to kick off the movie better, or the the second half of the movie better than that. You know, you, you have the introduction of OK, the 30 years later SRK character, and he's wearing a a hilarious shirt I have not seen since the 2000s themselves. The oh, the Who Cares? Yeah, it's, oh, it's, that's it's, fucking it's the rules. classic The Who logo, but it says Who Cares, and it's also bedazzled. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, and he's riding a motorcycle, gets off the motorcycle wearing that shirt, and the first the line you hear anyone say in the that half is, he's so short in real life. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious, because SRK, like so many of our great towering stars of cinema, are under 5'10". Um, I think he clocks in around 5'7". And you never know. He could be shorter than that. That, that could be yeah. a little press, uh, a little good press. Yeah, that's a little five, movie seven. magic right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's short man's burden right there. Exactly. You know? I mean, hey, he <laughs> overcame all obstacles <laughs> <laughs> to become the greatest movie star in the world. Uh, but I, I really do love that. Uh, or between that, we have the... Uh, the, the there's a disco of distress in my heart. The first oh, musical scene of rocks. Uh, the the okay character where he just has like the most ridiculous fucking abs you'll ever see in a movie, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's all because like the the director's like, so you're deaf, mute, and don't have any of your limbs at service. In this scene. He's like, well, I guess we'll just add a dream sequence where I could be a ripped dude who has all of his functioning senses and limbs who can sing and dance with a bunch of girls. <laughs> that, I mean that sequence. You know, much like SRK himself, it's it's such a hunk of meat. You know, yeah. I mean? it's, like, it's like you know, you have him doing all those like these different like you know. Uh, movie genre or you know different like uh, periods or whatever yeah all the sets are so dynamically yeah. different yeah yeah a lot of costume changes essentially oh yeah and it, it goes on like like a very long time not yeah. like not that it's too long but it's just a very long sequence and it's like it's I don't know because like kind of like how like you know okay is introduced is it, it's, it's kind of like it's just a very funny you know, just he doesn't like like his shirt says, who cares? You know what I mean? He's a big star, but he's kind of like low effort, although you do, you wouldn't say that here in this sequence. But it, it is just kind of like kind of like a nonchalant way of thinking that, you know, calls se- everyone dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like kind of like this sequence is just kind of like a mishmash of like just a lot of different things. And of course, it's enjoyable within the context of the movie. But it's like if you write that down on paper, it's like in the hands of lesser talent. It's like I don't know how much like sense this makes. It's just so fucking funny because it's like I think it's really effective as him as like a the scene as like a parody of like a a style of of uh, musical numbers. But then in its own right, it's just really fucking good yeah. and looks crazy <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like the shots of like SRK just flipping out of water or like the camera like weaving through like girls dancing with scarves. It's, it's so fucking good. 
Yeah, the the water is hilarious. That's like she brings it back for Happy New Year in the the beginning, like uh, b- the fight that he has in the beginning, where it's just like, let's see how wet you could get, SRK, how much water you could get, just like flying across the screen in slow mo while he stares pensively, pretty much into the camera, uh, as his abs are the focal point of the shot more so than his face, even, and it's it's fantastic. She's given the people what they want and what she wants, probably too. <laughs> Um, I think the the next red carpet event, the awards show, is a fucking hilarious set piece as well. I, I think we briefly touched on this, but we'll go back to it. When they roll out all the nominations, you know, first you get Doom 5. Uh, <laughs> and it's so funny where they're just like, this time he's not even in the movie. <laughs> that's that's a fucking great bit. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care what language you speak. <laughs> but then you get two SRK performances, one of them being like you get one more word thrown into the title main who nah and then two of them it's like the same set behind him basically doing the same thing with the girl and then you get the third one which is the the police action movie where the dude puts the gun in his cock is and he's just like pelvic thrusting the fucking trigger it's so good and then they cut back to him in the audience and he's still wearing that same outfit even (laughs) with a couple buttons down too and just like threatens his girlfriend with the gun when he loses (laughs) oh No, it, it is like kind of like the first chunk of like the second half. It's like this is SRK's entourage right here, yeah. minus <laughs> minus the posse. Just kind of like a you know, a, kind of a ladies' man, just kind of strolling his way through Hollywood. Kind of you know, take, taking whatever roles he needs. You know, doing you know, I'll yeah, I'll do one take. Like I'm not doing anything more than that. And then I'm gonna you know get back to business. Get to, back to talking to the two girls that always follow me. And uh, I don't you know, it's. It's uh, the goofiness is accepted. It's it's a very it's a very it's very funny. And so after he reunites uh, with his mother, his, my melodramatic mother, as he says, <laughs> which is just great because in terms of melodrama, this film definitely trades in it as well as the lighter side of things. But uh, reunites with his mother and his old buddy and realizes what he has to do, which is expose Mukesh as the guy who killed Shanti. And so he wants to go through with the film Om Shanti Om. And he has this meeting with him at a restaurant, which is shot so great. It's just all like in silhouette at first, where you have this bright green background, like the outside of the restaurant, but the inside is all silhouette. And it kind of goes back in between like low light and silhouette for each character. And the the scene where uh, SRK is just holding so much power over him. He's just like, this is the only film I'll do for you is Om Shanti Om. I don't care that it doesn't have a climax. I don't care that, it, you know, you killed your wife, tried to make <laughs> it. We're doing this fucking picture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, I guess also what I'm speaking, you know, not to relate everything to Entourage, but it it is kind of showing more of his, sour side like what's interesting about that you know even though his you know you're on his side of course you know we got to get revenge for shanti but it's Mm -hmm. like he could wield that power against someone who's not deserving necessarily but also it's it's kind of what's interesting about this movie we see the come up and then like the up ups like the highs but never like kind of you don't like there's never that sweet moment so like you know i've made it as a you know actor Mm -hmm. or whatever like it's 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 a very like uh in terms of like a, a a movie about like fame and like a, a you know Bollywood dynamics or just like industry dynamics in general, it's like you you have you know someone who someone who tries to be you know and then someone who is and it's like. I don't know. Like, yeah, the take, second half, you jump yeah. in where he's already at an annoying point of stardom. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you don't see him 
be thankful for his stardom at all. Well, I mean, yeah. isn't it like he's also like a Kapoor in yeah, like the second yeah, one, true, and it's yeah. just like he's like more so born into it. Mm-hmm. Like, that is true, yeah. And kind of taking that out, kind of like you know the traditional like I don't know coming of age, coming of uh, actor story or whatever. It's a it's it's an interesting way to like portray your industry. It's like we've got a lot of people who are you know hungry trying to get it would do anything to have it and the people who have it eh, they, it's not that great <laughs> and so his tactic to get mukesh to just admit everything because he knows that there's no real evidence that he can show that this guy's a murderer uh is to basically show him the spitting image of the woman he killed the woman he killed i don't know why i pluralized that You'll see, actually, why it was plural. (laughs) Uh, Because there's two of her, technically. There's the living version and the dead version. Um, We see SRK scout, you know, a bunch of women who are just subpar. And then he finally finds this girl uh, who's just a fan of his, really. But she's just the spitting image of Shanti. So he casts her. And his tactic is just to show this producer as much of her and as much old footage of Shanti as he possibly can in order for him to just have to come clean. But it doesn't work because this is just a fucking evil man, you know? <laughs> it goes to the point of, uh, you know, he shows him all this stuff and it doesn't work. And eventually he's like, okay, it's the music release party. You have to be here. And he does this musical number that essentially acts out the entire narrative oh, of the film. I yeah. love that it's scene so, good. so much. It's just like, because it's such a like feels almost like Shakespearean in a way because he's in the big like flowy shirt and just telling like telling how fucked up all the events in the movie are all on one stayed set yeah yeah yeah. it's like if this was like an action movie like this is like when he goes to fight the final boss even though there's like a scene where I guess he does yeah it's like (laughs) this scene kind of has like the satisfaction of like defeating your enemies even though it doesn't quite happen in that just kind of like the way he weaves this story, of course, and it's, you know, it's a great musical number, as all the musical numbers are in this movie. And, like, I don't know, there's just something, like you said, about, like, him kind of, like, uh, I don't know, it just got me fired up. It's like, I really want him to get this guy now. You know? And I love the dreamlike logic of it, where yeah. it's like, uh, you know, the chandelier comes down, bonks the producer on the head, and then it's just, like, it's an empty room. And it's just him and SRK, you know? And yeah. then... I, you know, a big event like that, obviously, that's not like how things proceed, but I love it. more than anything, it's the movie logic of that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we did the big performance in front of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> now we need the more intimate thing, but it's all going to be on the same set still. And so they have their mono mono moment, but then, uh, you know, what turns out to actually be the ghost of Shanti comes through. You're like, oh, this is just uh, this woman trying to do her best, even though this guy knows they're up to no good, trying to trick him into thinking a ghost is there. But then when you see the woman that they cast come through also, you realize, oh, this actually is the ghost of Shanti. And reincarnation kind of takes different forms in this movie. One one can be uh, the soul of Shah Rukh Khan passing from his own body as a middling actor to that of a baby who will become a superstar. And you also have Shanti as both living and dead, uh, keeping her image of stardom 30 years later, you know, looking just as beautiful as ever. And it's just such a powerful ending where it doesn't let you like, um, it doesn't let you try to figure it out. It kind of, you, you know, the basic, you know, oh, that's her ghost, you know, and, yeah. and that's all you can really 
put together. There's not like in a horror movie the scene uh, the next day where the cops are showing up and you get a little you get a little backdoor exposition. It's just that. And then of course you, you get a go, classic yeah, the red carpet dancing fucking end credit always, victory always lap, amazing. which is so <laughs> sick. Um, you know, I don't like this one, uh, the, this end credit one as much as like let's say the the main who not one I think is still untouchable. Yeah. Uh, but this one is so awesome, and uh, just the the very end of it where Farrah Khan finally rolls out because <laughs> she always makes sure to get all the cast on or all the crew rather on screen before her credits come up, you know? And uh, you, you could be saying save the best for last, you know, but also it's just like she wants everyone to get their shine because film is such a collaborative medium. This isn't just Shah Rukh Khan as the author of the film. This isn't Farrah Khan as the author of the film. This is a film that was made by an army of hundreds, you know? And uh, it, it's that communal effort that always shines through in her end credit sequences. And this one is no exception um, yeah, and everyone has left the red carpet by the time Farrah rolls out, which is a great joke to end on. No, I mean, I, I've, I've always loved uh, that she does that at the end of all of her movies. Because you're right, you know, it is like a collaborative medium. And it's just also it's like, you know, to I think it's just a great, vic, you know, a victory lap. Everyone loves a good victory lap. And it's like, you know, to include, you know, it's like, you know, we got the uh you know the grips or whatever on in the victory lap you know it, it is it's just there's something so joyous about it and you know what i mean that's also extra work for everyone else to, yeah <laughs> to do those end credit sequences you know i've always thought it that gives too. them a couple a couple more days of work yeah you know, a couple, couple more couple, paychecks a couple more paychecks and it's like it's about you this time and i mean yeah. it's like <laughs> you just like imagine coming off of sh- like working on Ooh. om shanty om like you fucking did that and you're true. like yeah of course yeah, we made a banger my lap. there's a banger in the tank yeah. like That's true. i of course <laughs> i can celebrate this shit yeah unrelated but that'd be i've never that must have that's must have happened like because an, an american parallel i could think of is like there's something about mary of and course. credits of course and I can't, yeah, there's definitely others, but it's like, there has to be someone who did that for just like a shitty fucking movie. Yeah. And it's Where like, they the people really did, don't deserve it. Yeah, and like, <laughs> people have talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. There's, I've definitely seen some victory laps of movies that don't deserve and, it. But like, specifically, the Fairly ones, like, involves like, you know, the crew, like Farrakhan does. And it's like, I, think, I wonder if the crew is just like, I want to get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I fucking hate this dude. Why is he making me stay at I, Oh, I guess Mamma Mia has a victory lap. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I think Furry just, Vengeance might have a <laughs> Have have a bad victory lap. That's, that's definitely right. less good, less qualified than Mamma Mia. Definitely, I, I, will, I will say though, those two movies seemed kind of like fun to make. Maybe yeah, it could to be, be honest. Yeah. It could be fun to make. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't speak that for furry events. I can't say I've, I've seen it, but I know. Uh, the late great Patrice O'Neill has a cameo. So it's true, and I think we'll just end on that. Rest in peace to Patrice. Watch watch his uh, stand-up special, Elephant in the Room, best stand-up special of all time. Yeah, I love Patrice O'Neill. I know him from The Office, Arrested <laughs> Development, <laughs> and no other shows, and no and nothing else. The <laughs> Elephant in the Room, I think we've talked about, is just like one of the most insane pieces of filmed media ever like it's 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 the kind of thing where the enjoyment and the agreement work in completely opposite directions like if you if you put a a a graph with uh two lines on it they would make a perfect x for what i agree with and how funny it is because it's some of the most kind of repellent material you could uh, imagine but it's so fucking funny it's pure skill (laughs) 
it's prevent it's <laughs> probably got some refs into the mic there but it's it's also just presented with like amazing charisma and there's kind of like the undercurrent of like Patrice dies pretty soon after this yeah. too, which kind of, and like the way like, Hey, what, what's our episode about next week? Kind of last, Uh-oh. last, Uh-oh. last movies by great directors or whatever. It's like the way he talks about himself and that. And like, cause he like, of course he knows he's wrong and he keeps coming to the audience and they'll be like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree <laughs> that I'm a bitch. Cause I don't fucking correct my girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll just be like, yeah, he's, he's like, I know I'm on the outs. Like it's, <laughs> things are changing. Like it's over. Like he's basically like, it's over for me. And it was so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to end it. All right. Well, we will see you next week on the Patreon um, with our, uh, our buddy, Ryan Swan will be on the after hours. So we'll talk to you. Kiss, kiss, go. 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 Kiss, ki